This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast, I'm your host, Jamie Smith, and joining me today are James and Liam. Two games to go through, two draws, a 3 all draw at Newcastle, and a one all draw at home to Spurs in the FA Cup, which is possibly not the result we're looking for, but we'll come on to that later. We'll start with Newcastle, and it was another fantastic fight back from Burnley. Three times we went behind, three times we fought back to get a point. Under extremely difficult circumstances with three substitutions needed in the first half due to injuries. James, that, that result just shows the character and the, the fight that we've got in this group, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean I think to you know, to, to get a point out of that when and arguably we could have got more, you know, when you lose three three players in the first thirty five minutes, that shows a great fighting spirit, particularly when obviously two of them are as important as uh, Jason Shackle and Dean Marnie. It's it's difficult to to understate really just how tough the circumstances were. I think, it's, especially as you say, Shackle goes off in the first fifteen minutes. Marnie becomes captain and he goes off. Kevin Long comes on and he's stretched off. It's it's so difficult to to stand up to that sort of difficult situation. But the second half, I thought we were absolutely outstanding. Like you say, we could have won the game. We hit the post four times which is ridiculous I think it's ten times this season now and you just wonder what might have been different if, if some of those chances had gone in I mean Barnes hit the post in the very first minute of the game it's it's one of those where we'll take a 3 all after being behind three times but would we perhaps look back at it as one that we had the chances to win do you think? Well I mean you know arguably whenever you get you do hit the woodwork that many times you do look at it and think it could have ended differently but um, I think to be honest, when you you know you look at what happened in the game, we have to be kind of be thankful that uh, we came away with something rather than nothing. It was an incredible game to watch. I was at St James's Park and just about got my breath back from all the stairs by the time the the goals started going in. But the first off, we weren't really at the race. I, I felt, and that that was maybe due to all the injuries. I think that obviously played a factor, but we were probably a little fortunate to go in two one, especially with the own goal, but. After the break, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk at half time about damage limitation and bringing players off to avoid them 
not bringing players off, but trying to avoid injuries and stuff. And for for Shouldash to manage to coax that sort of performance out of his team, I think it just shows what what a superb manager we've got, really. And hopefully, we'll be able to hang on to him. Um, Liam, welcome to the podcast. First of all, it's your first appearance on the podcast. Newcastle away, really fantastic point for us, but. It's just the latest in a series of very good performances in the league, even though we haven't been winning, isn't it? Um, yeah, I do believe that the game in general, I thought that to get a point out of it, I do believe that is very, it's a very good point, especially from the recent form of Newcastle in general, um, especially from get, you know, managing to get a win against Chelsea. I believe that a point, especially in the circumstances of um, getting the three injuries in first half, of course, that wouldn't help well using our three subs, which usually with Sean Dyche. He's not really one to use his subs, especially like that circumstance. But I do believe that point is very well for uh, the Newcastle game. Do you think maybe a couple... Dean Marnie was ill, wasn't he? He was fine for the Spurs game, but the shackle injury was apparently some sort of minor calf strain. Do you think maybe the, the, the number of games that the players have played over Christmas has, has contributed to those, or is it just one of those things? I mean, it's difficult for us to tell, I suppose, and Kevin Long in particular is just extremely unlucky with the, the ACL injury it seems he's picked up. I mean, I've been honestly shocked with the last few games that, especially with the Christmas period, that we're using so many players consistently throughout, which it does really show that how well the fitness team, I mean, especially we've got to give a lot of credit to the staff uh, back, that, they, you know, using that sort of... just uh, it's, it's sort of weird that using so many players, especially as Christmas break comes on, it's, it's, it's it is much great credit to the staff but to the actual players themselves I just believe it's just one of those things that especially with three players at one game I believe it's just a bit unfortunate especially for Kevin Long in particular as he hasn't hasn't really had his shouts this season I do feel particularly bad for Long I mean he's waited until now to to get his first taste of Premier League action and 10 minutes later he's being stretched off and that's probably the end of his season but it did come out that he's signed a new contract so he's got a two year extension he's got plenty of time to get back to full fitness and hopefully we'll see him back sooner rather than later, although it is a long way back from an injury like that one. Um, sticking with the Newcastle game for now before we move on, I thought Michael Keane again was absolutely outstanding. We've talked about Keane quite a lot in the podcast in the last few weeks, but in those circumstances where Shackle's gone off injured, Long's gone off injured, Stephen Reid's playing right back, Trippy's playing left back and Ben Mee's moved across, for us to... Defend so well, apart from one one little brain fault when we got caught out for Soko's goal. I think that just shows a sign. That's a sign for me of how important Michael Keane has become in the last few weeks. And I think the talks are still ongoing regarding whether we can keep him for the rest of the season. But Newcastle for me was a, a real sign of how how vital Keane has been. James, I don't know how much new there is to say on Keane after last week's podcast, but it's it's weird how he's gone from playing not at all to suddenly being for me one of our most important players yeah I think he's you know obviously he's played exceptionally well and we've said that on the podcast before um, you know I'm sure we're trying to we're trying to get something done to keep him at the club uh, for the rest of the season well, hopefully there'll be news on that sooner rather than later I think the fact that he did play in the Spurs game is a good sign I think that shows that United don't mind that he wanted to that be cup tied, so maybe that's an indication we're going to be able to keep him. I think a permanent deal for Keane would be absolutely tremendous if we could get one done. I wrote a piece on site this week saying just that, saying that it'd be an investment, and even if he costs two, three million, 
I think that's, that's money that we probably would get back because he looks like a very classy and promising young player. Liam, what have you made of Michael Keane so far? Michael Keane is, especially for the January, we have to keep on to him, especially that's with the connections and links he's been putting up with the team. Especially for the um, game last night, in fact, he, he played a vital, vital role in that ball, of course, we'll get onto that later. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, was, I was surprised at the start of the season that he, he didn't really get that many chances, especially, I guess it's just because, you know, letting Duffall let his um, shout, you know, letting him have his go in Premier League. But, yeah, I've been very impressed by him so far. Looks like a very young prospect. But, yeah, they're very happy with him so far and hopefully we can manage to keep on to him to at least the end of the season. The thing that impresses me most about Keane is, is just his confidence. He seems happy to take players on and he's happy to, to bring the ball out from the back and he'll play passes. He seems to have, we've talked on the podcast before about his distribution being better than Duff's, but I think his all-round play is, he's, he's got that sheen of someone who, who's come through the ranks at a, a really big club and I think you can tell that he's got Manchester United pedigree and hopefully they'll be willing to let him stay because I think he's going to be absolutely vital um, Shackle is apparently going to be okay for QPR at the weekend we'll talk about QPR later in the podcast but Michael Duff is on the way back as well um, it's probably going to be a bit of a decision for Dash really Duff did okay earlier in the season but I felt he was starting to fade a little bit when he got injured Keane's been playing so well arguably the future of the club James, what would, what would your thoughts be about that, that decision that Dash is going to have to make, assuming that we can keep Keane? Oh, you know, I think you've got to, you've got to look at the, the younger guy and the way he's been playing. He's, he's not going to lose his spot anytime soon, is he? Well, did, Duff didn't do that much wrong to lose his place on. With him being such a reliable performer over the years, I think there would be people saying that he should come back in. Um, maybe people would say that, but there's not really room for sentiment in in the Premier League, um, you know he has been a great, great player for the club. But uh, at the end of the day, he's been out for whatever reason. The guy who stepped in has done a great job, and I think we should uh, stick with stick with what's working for us right now. Ben Mees filled in at centre back for the last two games, but with Kevin Long probably being out for the season, although no time frame's been put on on his injury yet. Does that mean we are a little bit short at the back? Even if we keep Keane, it means that we're down to. To three specialist centre backs, really, if Ben Mee's going to be viewed as more of a left back. I think, I think Ben Mee's viewed as more as more of a left back, um, but for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But I think obviously for the rest of the season, he's going to be third in line for centre back uh, unless we bring someone else in in January. I think Mee can cover the the left side of defence. I think because he's quite strongly left sided, so he's, he's a reasonable understudy for Shackle. I think, but. Keane and Duff are probably the only two that could play on the other side. Hopefully, Shackle and Keane are the, the partnership that we'll see more often than not because I think that is comfortably our our best partnership. Um, Liam, we'll come on to the Spurs game in a bit more detail in a little while, but how, how do you think Ben Mee's done at centre-back in the last couple of games when having to fill in? Ben Mee, I mean, he's not exactly that bad as a centre-back in general. I do believe that I do believe that if worse comes to worse and Keane does go in this January transfer window, that... Um, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but it wouldn't be too great either because, like, um, I don't know when Ward is coming back, but, of course, when we seen him, he'd be, he was great as a left-back position. But I do believe that it will be definitely not as good as what the Keane and Shackle partnership is right now. But I do believe it will be a great loss. And with me in general, I, I, don't, I think he's been pretty good as centre-back. He hasn't done too much wrong. 
but yeah, hopefully you don't have to come to that stage. It's it's a funny one, me, because he was touted as a centre back when he arrived at Turf Moor and played the the friendlies when he first came as a centre back, and he looked really good. I remember one game against Sunderland, I think at Turf Moor, where he looked really classy. Um, but I, I just worry if he's not quite big enough to play centre back, especially in the top level. I think he's five foot eleven, which it's not small by any means, but most top flight defenders seem to be well over six foot. And, against the, the really big, powerful strikers, you wonder if Mee's physicality would be quite up to that. Um, one other thing I want to touch on on the Newcastle game was George Boyd again I thought was fantastic. He's really come into some solid form, scored another goal that was back-to-back league goals that he scored in. And um, I've been a little bit frustrated with Boyd in the past about his lack of end products. So I didn't feel like he was affecting results enough in the final third so I'm really pleased that he's added a couple of goals and now he's got four goals he's pushing Ings and Barnes close as, as top scorer I think is it fair to say James that Boyd has added a little bit more than running to his game in the last few weeks um, yeah I think you know, if he's grabbed a couple of goals um, probably is safe to say that um, I think he's, he's you know he's done a good play all around you know he's, he's running he's probably the standout aspect of his game but um, at the same time, obviously, he's now turned up with a few goals and he's had a few chances as well where you thought maybe on another day he's, he's put it in. I think he's obviously hit the ball once or twice. Um, and, you know, with a little bit more luck, he's probably got four or five rather than uh, what he's on now. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he has been a little bit unlucky at times, but he seems to be full of confidence at the moment. I think that's that's maybe where these goals have come from obviously the goal at City had a bit of luck with him being offside but it was an important touch that took it past Hart and his goal at Newcastle I thought was really well taken there wasn't much on when he picked the ball up on the edge of the box but he drove into the area and although first viewing I thought Anik probably should have done better with it it was a really good hit and picked out the bottom corner across the goalkeeper they're always quite hard to stop so hopefully we'll be able to keep that up because I think if we've got another goal threat in the side that makes a big difference and takes some of the pressure off off of Ings and Barnes. Uh, moving on to the Spurs game in the Cup then on Monday night. Strange decision to have it on Monday night, by the way. But we, can, we can talk about that as well. Quite a low crowd at Turf Moor and a, a funny game, really. The first half was a non-event and then the second half it livened up a little bit when Harry Kane came on. Um, Liam, one all was probably a fair result, wasn't it? Um, I don't believe he was really... There wasn't really many, many highlights for the game, of course, and... One one is somewhat some of a fair result. We did come back into the game, um, especially once Volks came on. But of course, um, we got more to speak about Volks later, of course. But I do believe that one one it isn't. Yeah, I, I think one one is more of a fair result to be honest. Um, Tottenham, we both had the same amount of shots and um, on target and the shots in general, possession wise, we, was, we wasn't really massively dominated. Um, in first half, it was more just battered the midfield, I believe. But yeah, I do believe one one was probably not that. It's not the worst that we could get, but I believe it's probably a good result. In isolation, getting a draw against Spurs, I think, is, is an excellent result, especially considering they'd, they'd beaten Chelsea five three the weekend before. So I think that's a good sign. Um, whether or not we really wanted to have to play a replay next week is probably another question. Uh, James, the first half, neither side had a shot at all. Um, I think the. The turf more press box that have been packed with journalists trying to think of things to say. We were certainly doing that on the the No Name Ever Live blog. Have you ever heard of that happening before? I was racking my brains trying to think of an occasion where 
neither side has even had a go in the first half. Um, I can't think of an actual game that springs to mind immediately. I'm sure there, I'm sure there has been games that have been utterly devoid of chances, at least for a while. I mean, particularly back in um, you know, our days languishing sort of mid to bottom half of the championship. The Steve Cottrell era, yeah. yeah there was, there was some pretty terrible games like that. Particularly when the pitch was bad as well, because it wasn't maybe a case of teams not wanting to have a go, they couldn't get to the penalty area to have a go. <laughs> uh, such was the way it went. Our nematodes got involved on the, in the routes. Um, it's, it's a strange one, because I, I would have thought, to be honest, that both teams would have wanted to try and uh, destroy as many goals as they can. Um, and just try and get the tie out of the way because a replay really isn't any use for anyone. It, it, it was a strange one. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think a replay was at all ideal. I mean, it, it's going to fall in the middle of the QPR and Palace games at the turf, which we won't have wanted. We'd have wanted a clear run at the Palace game. We don't really want to go to London, I don't think, for a for a replay. And Spurs have got the, the League Cup semi-final coming up to, to worry about as well. So the last thing they'd have wanted was another cup tie. Um, I was a bit surprised by the strength of the teams, really. I mean, considering the the number of games all those players will have played recently, we only made two changes. One of those was enforced with Shackle being injured, and Spurs didn't make that many changes either. I think they changed the, the goalkeeper and a couple of players, but most of their most important players were still in there. Um, Liam, when you saw the teams, were you a bit surprised that there weren't more rotation as well? Sean Dash had said he was going to make changes, and he only made two in the end. Well, I do believe it wasn't really necessary to have a four-strength team out, especially in this game. Neither same thing for Tottenham, to be honest, especially after such a win they want, especially with the um, League Cup games coming up soon. I don't believe it was really necessary. I would have liked, I would have enjoyed seeing um, Volks starting, of course, of you know after him coming back. I would, I would like to see Danny Ings and Volks having a nice little run out, having you know quite a, quite a few minutes, at least a half in general, but. I don't think it was really necessary, as of course it showed that there were no shots in first half. But yeah, kind of, kind of surprising, especially if it, especially for it just being third round. The last thing that Berlin need is, I mean, a couple would be nice, but we do mainly just got to focus on the league, especially for this season. You mentioned Volks there. It's fair to say his arrival changed the game, wasn't it? And it was good to see that there was immediate signs of the link-up play with Danny Ings. It was so good to watch last season. It seems like they've picked up where they left off really well yeah I do believe that when Volks came on that I believe that as we were 1-0 down we needed some life being brought back into the game and since then we didn't really have many opportunities they were one um, decent chance by Danny Ings which was on target which was our first actual shot on game I believe which was you know pretty nice to see but um, it's it's very nice to see Danny Ings and Volks coming back in Volks and Ings um, it is just it just seems like the classic Berlin from last season, which we all love to watching, and it does seem a bit weird without Volks, especially from what he did last season. But yeah, I do believe that's especially Volks scoring. I probably would have betted on Volks scoring to be honest. I thought it just would have been written in stars to be honest. But yeah, very nice of Volks here, and hopefully enjoying him playing more games for us in the future. I think you could see in some of the pictures the the joy on the face of the players. It seemed like it really meant a lot to everyone to have to have Volks back in the team and doing well. So perhaps the, the replay will be a good opportunity for him to get that first start and really push for a place inside. Although I think with, with the wings and Barnes have been playing, he might have to wait a little while until he can start 
a league game. And towards the end of the game, Liam, I was a bit surprised that Ings and Ings and Boyd, I think, came off, didn't they? It seemed to me like we were settling for the draw, even though it, it isn't really ideal for us to have that replay. How did you feel about those substitutions? Well, I believe I was mainly surprised about um, Boyd being put off. I mean, I believe um, I believe that Ings did actually pick up a knock before he was sent off. I mean, sent off, sorry, before he was took off by by Daesh. I believe he did get a bit of a knock running into the box. He did get put down a bit. But I believe that was probably a tactical decision of Daesh and Boyd. I was kind of surprised to see him off as I believe that Kitely in the game, he, he didn't... I mean, of course... From the store game, he played very well. Everyone was surprised he didn't start the next game, but he, he kept on struggling to take on the man, which I realised that he kept on trying back. And he either just failed, got to the got, took, got the ball took from him, or he just ended up just turning back and giving it to Trips or Marnie, which seemed to be a case. So kind of surprised that Boyd went off. I believe Dice would uh, believe Ings were more of a tactical decision as he did pick up a knock. But yeah, I mean the draw isn't ideal getting a replay, but. I guess this is what you've got to deal with. It's Daesh at the end of the day, and hopefully he makes a big, he makes a good decision on that one. It's interesting what you say about Kitely, actually, because a lot of people are saying how well he played at Newcastle, and I didn't really think that was the case. I didn't agree at all. I felt like he'd lost the ball a lot there as well, but he did come up with a cross for, for Danny Ings' goal, and it was Kitely set up votes for his goal as well. So even when it doesn't seem like he's playing that well, he does seem to, to affect the game. Um, James, we mentioned Kitely before, but he probably wasn't lucky to lose his place, wasn't he? And maybe the the, the injury, the illness to to Marnie, and we assume Jones is going to be okay. Does that maybe open up a spot for him to come back in? Yeah, well, I thought to be honest, first time round he was unlucky to lose his spot. You know, he was um, he was pretty key to to the goals at, at Stoke, um, and I think if you you know you look at his his work rate's always always great, much like Boyd, really, to be honest. And again, he was probably someone who last season we looked at, and he did a lot, a lot of running, a lot of hard work. But we weren't necessarily getting as much end product as we expected. Um, but he did start scoring a few towards the end of the season, and you were thinking that maybe that'd be you know good coming into this season. But obviously, he had a bit of injury trouble in pre-season, um, and as a result, he's not really got a proper run in the side. But you know, there's options there at the moment. And to be honest, it depends on what you want to do with Scott Arfield. Um, and obviously, I think that comes down to whether Dean Marnie's fit or not. So, I think we'll have to wait and see on on that. Yeah, well, I was surprised Marnie played in the Spurs game just because I've, I'd assumed he'd be given a chance to recover. But if he started that game, I think we've got to assume he was back to 100% fit. It was it was a vomiting bug apparently, and they can be gone in 24 hours, can't they? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's if it's that kind of thing, it's it was probably a. Maybe not the best idea to play him at Newcastle, to be honest, because you do wonder if he's maybe given that to someone else. But if no one's started getting it yet, you think you're probably okay. Yeah, well, as far as I'm aware, there's been no word on Jones. I think we're all assuming that he was just rested, but I suppose it's possible he's picked up that bug from D-Marnie that he played very close to each other in the middle of the park. So might have been some swapping of fluids that's, that's led to Jonah coming down downhill. It's probably not an image that we should be putting out on the podcast um, the the draw for the fourth round was actually made before our game I think the players were probably a little bit let out because they were waiting to see who they were going to get and it's another uninspiring one I think a home draw is always good but it's Leicester City at home in the next round it's it's not the sort of game that anyone's going to get excited about is it really and Liam it was a, a low crowd at Turf Mall that we've not really touched on probably because of being moved to, to Monday night as well but 
Leicester City at home, another Premier League, old Premier League game. It's it's not the best draw, is it? What do you think, make of that draw? The draw wasn't particularly great for us, to be honest. Um, I mean, <laughs> with Leicester, I do believe that in that game we were all basically put out of form. I, I, I don't know why I do feel, do feel like we put out a pretty strong squad for that game, just for the fact that it's Leicester and that both relegate, both battling for relegation, or surviving relegation. But it's going to be an interesting game, especially with the turnout as well. I mean, to be honest, I was surprised about the Tottenham game. In fact, I don't know why, but I felt like it was going to be you know, a pretty high turnout. I was watching a few um, things off like BBC and things like that after the game. And it, I don't know why, but they kept on mentioning about like particularly the Jimmy, the Jimmy McElroy sign, the Jimmy McElroy stand saying that, oh yeah, there's no fans, low turnout, you know, like, you know completely empty, just like, well, it was turned down. So I don't know why they kept on mentioning that, but I was sort of let down of the low turnout, to be honest. I mean, I do believe that James Hogg is pretty full, um, pretty decently full, to be honest. So, but yeah, Leicester, not really looking forward to that game, especially that I believe we should focus more on the Premier League, to be honest. Yeah, there were just shy of 10,000 inside Surf Mode, but a quarter of those people were were Spurs fans. So there was about 7,000 Burnley fans decided to go out. And yeah, it's 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 strange to see it so low in a way because Burnley Spurs should be an enticing cup tie. There was a lot made of the fact that it was the, the 1962 FA Cup final and the club did a, a special programme to commemorate that and stuff, but... I think as soon as they moved it to Monday night, I think it was inevitable it was going to be a low crowd. I think Spurs paid for, for their fans' travel, which is a, a good gesture, but it didn't really feel like the supporters were being taken into account, in my opinion, when it was moved to a Monday night. So I don't think the club can really complain that they got a low attendance as a result, even though I felt £20 for tickets is fairly reasonable, um, really. The last point on the Spurs game that I wanted to make uh, before we move on, was on Scarfield actually, James just mentioned. He played in central midfield in the Spurs game. Um, and We've had this one a few times, me and James, about whether he is a central midfielder or not. Um, Liam, you were at the turf. How do you think he did in there alongside Di Marnie? I do believe that Arfield isn't... I do believe he's probably better at the right-hand side than he is done in the middle, just from what I've seen. It seems that... He just seems to get lost a bit. I don't know if it's just me, but when I watch the game, it just, just seems just, just seem to end up losing wherever he is, which I've been seeing that a lot, especially in the last few games, especially against the likes of Man City, which is understandable. But uh, I do believe that Arthur is probably better at the side. I'm sort of mixed opinions about Arthur because at the start of the season with the Chelsea game, it was all hyped up and he was actually doing really well. He was confident and now he just seems like he's just lost that um, perhaps you're from the Crystal Palace game and he missed a penalty. But, yeah, um, I believe that Lamani and John's partnership, without that, it's sort of been lost a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think it's difficult to judge Arfield as central midfield just because we've barely seen it in the last couple of years. But he's, he has had good games in there. I was impressed with him at Leicester, especially with uh, that being another patched-up team he played in there with Stephen Ward and he did really well. But... Yeah, I see what you mean about you know, getting lost. When he plays central midfield, I do think he's got a tendency to get caught ahead of the ball when he really needs to be behind it. And I think, um, obviously, Marnie and Jones is our strongest combination there, so it's, it's no wonder that um, the right has become his best position. But, James, that versatility is important to have throughout the squad, isn't it? And it's especially with Shalabar going back to Chelsea, having Arfield able to play central midfield is going to be important in the next couple of months. 
yeah, well, I think that's always been the you know the key to Sean Dyche's squad. That um, I don't think there's anyone who can only play one position in there. Uh, you know, with Scott Arfield's original position being central midfield, um, it's always possible to put him back into the, the you know role he's used to. Especially when we're, we're quite strong out wide as well, and this Kiteley can come in, Wallace can come in. It's doesn't weaken us that much if Alfield plays inside and somebody else comes into the side. I think that's a really good option. Yeah, no, we, we have. have. You know, we've got plenty of um, what you probably call true wingers because uh, I'd say Alfield's not really a true winger. Even when he plays there, he offers a lot, but I don't think he's playing there for his just for his wing skill. I think there's something else he brings that I think helps you balance it up if you're playing like a you know a true winger on the other side. But um, you know, obviously we've got Boyd, Cartley, and, uh, and Wallace who are all capable of playing the wings. So. Um, you know, there's there's the space there to to have Arfield play in the middle instead. Yeah, I think in, in football manager parlance, I think you'd probably have Arfield as a wide midfielder, and then Boyd, Wallace, and Carter would probably all be down as wingers. But I think the balance is important, isn't it? Obviously, the work rate is really important, and that's probably what Dash wants first and foremost from his wingers. That's why we've seen Boyd smashing all these these records for for ground covered. But Arfield provides that. But I do want to see him have a bit more of a goal threat. He's got nine goals last season and he's only got one this year against Chelsea. I think he does need to, to get into a few more goal-scoring positions because he did start the season really well, but he has tailed off probably in the last couple of months. I think Liam's right. I think the penalty at Palace was a bit of a turning point. I think if he scores that, then he keeps his confidence up, but maybe he's just being affected a little bit by that. Only time will tell, I suppose, but I'm sure Arfield will find some form again before the end of the season. Uh, looking ahead then to uh, the weekend game against QPR, obviously it's going to be an absolutely massive game at Turf Moor. I still think it's too early in the season to call matches six-pointers, but it's inevitable this one's going to be called a six-pointer. QPR have got no points away from home all season, and Charlie Austin will, of course, be coming back to Turf Moor. Um, James, what, what do you make of this one? It's It's going to be hard to call, isn't it, but Burnley really need to get a win. Yeah, I mean this is this is a really key game. This is definitely a six pointer. Um you know, I think they would be really disappointed with what happened at Loftus Road. Um it was a game that we should have should have at least made close rather than you know getting beat in the style we did. Um but I think it's really key that, you know, we, we get a win uh, against QPR and you know obviously hopefully keep Charlie Austin quiet. I think it's it's probably a good thing in a way that it is quite soon after the game at Loftus Road because I think that will be fresh in the minds of the players that we did give such a disappointing performance there. I think that that was probably in the top three most disappointing performance of the season, along with West Brom and maybe another one that you could throw in there. But yeah, it just didn't really seem like we were at the races that day and QPR really dominated us. But their home form has been pretty good. Like I said, they've got nothing at all away from home and they lost 3-0 to League One Sheffield United with quite a strong team at the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, Liam, what's your assessment of Saturday's game? It's it's a bit make or break these next few matches, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's if there's any turning point in a season, I believe it's going to be these next few games. Um, the QPR game, massive, massive game, of course. But I think every single game, if you follow you know, the Dash philosophy, that keep, take each game at a time. And I believe that we probably should do that, not get ahead of ourselves. That with the QPR game, especially with the 3 0 Watson Sheffield United, it was a shock. To be honest, uh, especially as as he, as he was at Loftus Road, p- perhaps it was more a tactical tactical thing if they, you know, 
of course, it's you know, I, I, to be honest, I don't know about that. Kind of shocked, to be honest. But yeah, just keep your game. I'm really, I'm not looking forward to it, to be honest, guys. It's going to be a very, very suspenseful game. I believe there's not going to be many goals in it. That's just my opinion. I believe it's only going to be either two goals maximum. I believe it's going to be a 1-0 win to have a team, to be honest. Whoever scores first will win the game. That's my prediction for that. I think you're right. I think these games between teams at the bottom can be very tight and teams aren't trying to make mistakes. QPR, a lot of the time this season, have played one up front um, and we know Charlie Austin isn't really ideally suited to play in that role. He's got a lot of ground to cover when he plays up front and you, know, you really need to get players around him so that he can then exploit the space. If he's having to do all that on his own, it's, it's, you're not getting the best from him. Basically, so it'll be interesting to see if they do that or if they try and match up with our four four two. Hopefully, Shackle will be fit. Hopefully, Marnie and Jones will be fit and should be back to something approaching full strength. With I would imagine Volk's still on the bench for now, even though he did score um, at the weekend. QPR's away form it's it's almost an anomaly, really. I can't think of anyone who's who's been so strong at home. So bad away. The comparison is obvious to to us last time we were in the Premier League, but they've been even worse. I don't know how much you've seen of QPR this season, James, but it's a stark contrast, isn't it? They haven't even looked like getting anything away. They've got hammered more often than not. Yeah, no, I think to be honest as well, they've not really looked like getting anything when Charlie Austin hasn't turned up. So um, they're pretty much the same side as last year, to be honest, then, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. I think uh, Leroy Fur played well at Loftus Road and he was a new arrival, but yeah, it's it's mostly the same as last season. I think Redknapp will be tempted to go 4 4 2, I think, just because Zamora caused so many problems for us at their place in the air. And I think the temptation to do that again and, and get Fur into the, the, the left channel and cause problems for Kieran Trippier as he did, I think that's going to be really tempting. But I think it's it's a good opportunity for us. I don't think we should be frightened by it. Last season we were better than QPR. I think despite their league position and despite the result there, I think we're certainly as good as them this season. I think these, these home games in the next month I think are going to be really crucial. And the pressure's on. I mean, we've been playing well, not winning games. We're 19th in the league. We've got to win these matches, otherwise I think it's going to start slipping away from us. Uh, the transfer window is open as well. We shall talk about that briefly before we round off for this weekend. This week's podcast, sorry, Shalabar has already gone back to Chelsea. I suppose that was nothing of a surprise, really. Uh, we're hopeful and expecting Michael Keane to stay for the rest of the season, but as you'd expect with Sean Dyche, he plays his cards close to his chest. We haven't heard too much about others, although I think it was reported that we are working on a couple of deals. Um, there's a few areas of the squad we should probably be looking at. Liam, what do you think the, the big priorities are for us to do in this transfer window? I believe that with the squad, probably, um, I mean, I believe that our strike force, it isn't too bad, of course, with Barnes um, and Ings, especially now with Volk swimming back. You've got the likes of Sardo and Jukovic, which, to be honest, both of them, it's just, it just feels like, I do feel bad for Duke as he has hasn't really been that bad. He just can't really seem to score. But strikers, I think, were not that bad on. Um, we, I believe that we need a pacey guy. We, we need some more pace in the squad, perhaps down the wings um, for our field. I believe. I don't think we should take our boy. That'd probably be a bit unfair for him. Perhaps on the right side, or either side, to be honest. I think Boyd can play on both, actually. But, yeah, I think we need some pace in the squad, perhaps on the wings. I believe that there's, there's 
no good. I don't think we should break up the Jones and Marnie partnership in the midfield and with the back, especially centre backs. If we keep Keane, then just keep the same with Shackle and um, Keane. And if something bad happens, then me can step in. But yeah, probably just some wingers, to be honest. I think that's probably our most. I think that's a position that I've seen us not be that effective in this year. I, I think I'd certainly like to see us add some pace, whether that was uh, a striker or a winger. I think that is a weakness in the squad. Um, one name that did get linked, I don't know if there was anything in this, it sounded like a, he's going out on loan, they might need this sort of player, sort of link grass from thin air to me, but it was um, Joel Campbell at Arsenal who had quite a good World Cup for Costa Rica, but hasn't really had a look in this season, it seems like he's going to go out on loan. Um, James, what sort of players do you think we need to bring in? Do you think we're going to do a lot of business? There's probably not going to be a vast amount of money available to Dash. Yeah, I think we're going to try and see what we can do. Um, you know, there, there'll be some money. You know, obviously not what uh, a lot of other teams are willing to put about. Um, but it might be a case of, you know you look at who's not in favour elsewhere and see if you can pick up a, another couple of loans just to just to fill the squad out till the end of the season. Because I think I think Dash has got you know mainly what he wants. Um, you'd say maybe if there's a certain position you want to improve, you'd maybe look at. Uh, if you could get an upgraded winger, you know maybe that's something you'd want. Uh, maybe someone with a little bit more pace to play the other side uh, from Boyd, uh, or maybe another midfielder to you know to inject a bit more pace into the centre of midfield. I think midfield is the the key area. I think with Shalabar barely getting a game and Arfield being the only cover we've really got in there. And, you can only really count Arfield as cover if he's not already playing. Like you can't say he's going to be a central midfielder and a winger. He can't play them both at the same time. So I think we really need another body in there. Whether we revisit someone like Henry Lansbury, who we tried to get in the summer, or whether it's alone, will be quite interesting. But I'm, I'm sure they're working on it, and I'm sure we'll do the best we can. But I think there's a debate to be had over um, Dasha's summer business. Actually, there's an article on the site this week about how well his summer arrivals have done. Obviously, it's, it's it's difficult to judge him too harshly because of the amount of money he had to spend, which was, let's remember, very small compared to a lot of other Premier League managers. But I think Sordell, you could probably say, is a flop. Bjorkovic, probably a flop as well. Um, Matt Taylor's barely played. Stephen Reid's barely played. Matt Jiltz has barely played. It's It's been a mixed bag, I think it's, it's fair to say. Um, Liam, how do you assess the the summer transfer business? George Boyd probably the only the only unqualified success from the new arrivals. Is that fair to say? Um, I mean, we have made quite a lot, uh, quite a lot than what I expected anyway at start. But yeah, I do believe that um, Shalabar um, has been kind of a flop. I was upset that he didn't really get that much game time. Reed and them lot, um, Reed, very um, kind of a surprise to be honest. Didn't really expect to get Reed, especially for right back when we got trips. I have been sort of upset about Matty Taylor as well because I thought that he was a you know he's got experience, played for West Ham. I did really like the look of him, especially as he does seem as a solid in and out consistent player. Kind of sad to see him pick up an injury. Um, you, I mean the strikers since you know, since the. Uh, window we always said that we need a striker to put him with Ings whatever especially as Volks is out with Duke and um, Sordell I don't think they've both been really that good Duke has been he's good at what he's mainly good at he's good at what he's doing which is holding up the ball etc but 
Yeah, Boyd's different. I've really got to like Boyd, uh, especially as he is the player which we spent the most money on in the summer. I think it is uh, more... Uh, it's not much of a surprise that as he is a uh, record standing for someone which, 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 was, which was only three million from Hull. I believe that it's been kind of a uh, sort of transfer window, not the greatest, but it could be much worse. James, I know you're a, a big fan of, of George Boyd, but what do you make of the, the other new arrivals? I think Stephen Ward is one that was a success when he got into the team. It's just a shame that he's been out injured, but the, the rest have struggled to make an impact, really, haven't they? Um. Yeah, I think obviously George Boyd's been the clear one who you'd say has been the you know, the success from the bunch. But um you know, I didn't think Djokovic was doing too bad until you know, he got to the point where I think he he just completely lost his confidence. Um you know, he he'd been playing a few good games but he just wasn't getting that goal and I think it's ultimately meant that you know, he started to doubt himself more and more and and from there he's you know, he's not really um He's not really up for the games anymore, I don't think. It, it weighs on your mind, doesn't it, as a striker when you can't get off the mark? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, there's a couple of the others who I think... I think Stephen Reid was always there as sort of cover who can play pretty much anywhere. Um, so it's maybe not surprising that we haven't seen a lot from him. And obviously, yeah, I think Matt Taylor's been unlucky with injury. Um, though, again, you know, how much we would have seen of him if he hadn't got injured, it's, it's impossible to say. And obviously, uh, in the case of Matt Gilks, he was always going to be the, the substitute keeper. So, um, I think that's about what we expected from him. It, it'll be interesting to see what sort of players Dash goes after this this transfer window because I think we've we've got we've got quite a lot of experience in the squad now. I think we need to start planning ahead for a couple of positions. I think Kane would be really good for those reasons because Duff's getting on and Shackle's not the youngest either. I think the the two midfield lads are both about thirty, aren't they? So we need to start thinking about possibly um, having replacements lined up for them. And up front, I think we need to think about what's going to happen when Danny Ings leaves the club, which I think we were all expecting to be in the summer rather than in this month. But we need to have somebody lined up to come straight in for me because that's what we've done in the past. You can think like when when Austin and Saul Ings was ready to step up, and before that. Austin came in when Rodriguez was sold and Rodriguez stepped into the side when Fletcher was sold. We've we've had that preparation for the last few years, but I don't think we've done that at the moment. So I don't really like to see us drop a couple of million, at least really, on someone who can fill Ings' boots next season because I think it'll be a big shock if he's still playing for us. Um, Liam, what's your assessment of the, the Ings situation? It's, everyone's saying that he's not leaving this month, but... I suppose a big bid would still be tempting, wouldn't it? I do believe that Ings won't really leave this month. I do believe he, I don't believe he will do that to us. I do believe that if we do stay up, that he probably would still leave next summer. That's probably just my prediction on, on that. But yeah, I understand what you're saying about we've always had a, a, at least a player behind because when Charles Austin went just before the Porting game two seasons ago, we were all panicking, thinking, you know, um, you know, who else is going to fill in? Danning stepped up. Sam Fox as well. As early before that season, he wasn't really particularly great. So that was kind of a shock. But you never know. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to come up with because I've, when I've grown up, I've always seen the likes of uh, back when we had like Andy Gray, Kyle Lafferty and a lot. And I've never really, never really realised until now that we always had someone backed up. But I wouldn't really see someone like Jukovic or Marvin Sordell really filling in the boots. I've, I've always seen Sordell as more of a 
League One sort of player. I don't know if that's an unfair prediction or not. But, yeah, do Ings, it's a weird thing. He hasn't been, like, exceptionally great, but I do believe he has been very good for the club, um, especially this season. So, yeah, hoping for the best. Yeah, I think, I think if he was going to sign a new contract, he'd probably have already signed it by now, and fair play to him. If he keeps his options open, he can see what the, the lie of the land is in the summer, and he'll probably get quite a large signing on fee, and his wages will be two, three times what we could afford to pay. So I don't begrudge him that, and as long as he gives 100% as he has all season, I think that's that's absolutely fine. Um, that is about all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Um if you do have any feedback at all, please do get in touch. The email address is podcast at net. And if you ever want to be a guest on the show, please do give us a shout as well. You can also tweet us. Our Twitter address handle thing is at net. And we also need to thank our sponsors at Neville G, without whom we couldn't do the website or the, the podcast or anything like that. That will round off then with a couple of predictions for the QPR game. James, are you going to be bold and go for a home win? Uh, yeah, I'll go for 2-0. I think 2-0 sounds about right. What about you, Liam? Do you think it's going to be tighter than that? Um, I, I'm just going to stick with what I said earlier, and I think it's going to be a 1-0 home win to Burnley. Excellent. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll have three points and we'll have a win to talk about next week. But that's all we've got time for for now, so thanks for joining us, and we'll be back the same time next week. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.